0: Welcome to the Horizon Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our mission as a church is to win people to Jesus Christ, disciple people in Jesus Christ, and send people for Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. We hope this episode encourages you in your walk with Jesus as you continue to grow in his love and truth. Now, let's join Pastor Bob as we study God's word together.
1: have you just join me here in chapter 3, 1 Thessalonians 3. And why don't you stand? Come on, let's stand together, church, as uh, we often do together as we open God's Word. We've come to hear from Him today. Amen? Amen. And here's what He would have to say to us uh, in the last three verses of chapter 3, and then dipping into the first verse of chapter 4. First Thessalonians three eleven. Got it? Say, got it? Yeah. Now. Everyone say, Now. Yeah. Now okay now that's past tense you got to say it again say now now Now. okay here he is in light of all that he has discussed in light of some of the struggles and uh, separation issues of Paul not being with them at the time he says now now may our God and Father himself and the Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. He's like, I so much want to be there with you. He's like this. He's like, I'm with you even when I'm not. We're separated by distance, but not in my heart. So now may our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you, bring us back together. And, that's not all, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another. Boy, if that isn't a needed word today. There is so much separation. There is so much division. You know, the word devil means to divide. And here, Paul is speaking against that power and force in the name of our God and Father Himself, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to bring us back together, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our god and father at the coming of our lord jesus christ with who with who with all his saints oh, i'm hoping you're a part of that band i'm hoping you're a part of that team that we would return with Him, that this work that He is praying that God would do would be an everlasting global work, not just, not just to the little Greek town of Thessalonica, but it would go forth and establish our hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father, even to the end of the age, at the coming of of our Lord Jesus Christ, at the return of Christ, at the second coming. Now, here's what's interesting about that. We have to exit in order to return. If we're going to return with Him, as Paul would state here, I don't actually know where all your theology might land on this topic called the rapture, but we're going to get into it in the chapters that remain in this book. Suffice it to say, you can't return with the Lord if you're still here. We have to exit, and that exit is imminent. It's going to happen any moment, any time the trumpet's going to sound, and we're out of here. So that we can then return when Christ comes back at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. Finally then, one last verse. Verse 1, chapter 4, look at it. Finally then, brethren, we urge... He's like, that isn't even enough. Not just urge. We urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more. That's His new favorite word. You're abounding at the end of chapter 3, abounding in love towards one another and all. And and now you're abounding in chapter 4, abounding more and more. More and more. Abounding more and more just as you received from us how you ought to walk how you ought to walk and to please God. Well, God, that's why we're here. That's why we've come. And we want to grow and we want to learn how we ought to walk, how we ought to live, how we ought to speak, how we ought to act and react, how we ought to please you better. So help us, Lord. Meet us here in this time of study and the communion that will follow. For we ask it in Jesus' name and everyone said come on amen amen you may be seated so I just for a few moments want to speak on the subject if it's not good God's not done if it's not good and you're looking a lot of things around you I'm looking at a lot of things around me and quite honestly it's not good it's not looking good But I want you to know this morning that if it's not good, it simply means God's not done. He's still working. Well, Bob, where do you get that? Well, He's a God of multiplication. He is a God of wanting to see increase. That's what we just read together. That's what we just stood and received from the Lord according to His holy word this morning, that He is praying as He inspires Paul to write. Praying for what? Praying for increase praying for excelling if you have the old king james version it's like excelling all the more is what he says in the old king james in the new king james abounding is his new favorite word that god is wanting to see increase he's wanting to see excelling he's wanting to see growth he's wanting to see abounding he's wanting to see you leave differently this morning than how you arrived he's a god of multiplication he's wanting to complete and perfect in you and me the work that he's begun right amen say amen to that he's wanting to complete that work he's wanting to perfect that work in fact look at verse 10 in chapter 3 just back up with me one verse prior to where we started reading he says night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face so so he's really missing them obviously that's coming through loud and clear he's missing this church he wants to be there And he's praying, he's praying night and day. He's praying exceedingly night and day that he may see their face. You gotta know something, that's just not Paul. That's just not Paul historically in a page out of the Bible pertaining to a church north of Athens. That's God's heart. That's God's heart in Paul. And that's God's heart now in Paul, through Paul, in the pages of Scripture pointing something out to you. He longs to see your face. He longs for the time to come when our faith becomes sight. He longs for this, you guys. He's like, I am, I am praying. Do you know the Lord is praying for you this morning? Some of you came this morning, got showered, got dressed, got in the car, drove out here just to be reminded that God's praying for you. He's on your side. And He exceedingly can't wait to see your face. Now finish up with me what he says there in verse 10. Look what he says. After this idea of praying, praying night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and, and what? Look what it says. Perfect what is lacking in your faith. Perfect what is lacking. So here you have a God who's wanting to see increase wanting to see more, wanting to see us abound. Okay, if you've, if you've sat in this room for any length of time, I mean, if you've been here just for the summer, if you've been here for three weeks or three months, maybe you've been here going on 30 years. If you, if you know anything about the way I approach Scripture, I always approach Scripture with wanting to know how. How are you gonna perfect what's lacking? How, Lord, are you wanting to see in me something excel, something abound, something grow to your glory and become more than it has ever been? Okay, Lord, I'm open to that. I'm here this morning. How are you going to do that? How are you going to perfect what is lacking in our faith? I think there's three ways. Uh, Jot them down if you're a note-taker. Got any note-takers in the room? Yeah, you into note? You into notes? Do you like that note paper that we spend thousands of dollars on and hand out to you at the front? Yeah? How many non-note takers? I just nodded. I think it's a waste of money. Look at the hands. Okay, it's all right. What else do I need to ask you about? Um, coming to the picnic? Okay. Um, electronically, maybe you take the notes down electronically. You know what I've said for years about notes, right? If you take notes, there's less of a chance you'll go to hell. So just non-note takers might, oh, oh, just kind of, oh, rethink that. Why would that be true? Because if you take notes, there's a chance you won't You won't forget what we're studying together. You won't forget how the Lord now wants to perfect what's lacking in your faith. Now maybe you're here today and you're like, there ain't nothing. Notes, notes, notepaper. Look at at our ushers. Tom is on it. Way to go, Tommy. Okay. Here are the three ways. Jot them down. Write them on your hand. Uh, Through our source. This is how He's going to perfect what is lacking in us. This is how something that could be abounding more could become to exactly that, produce a fruitfulness that would last eternally to the glory of God through our source. Secondly, through our search. And thirdly, through our story. Let's break it down. Let's look at these real quickly together. Through our source. What is your source to see some things begin to excel and increase and abound in your walk and in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? I hope you're not your own source, in other words. I hope you're not the source of your supply. In fact, look here again at the very uh, beginning of verse 12 in chapter 3. And may the Lord, there's your source, Look what he says. May the Lord make you increase. May the Lord make you abound, okay? It's not about you being your own source, Charlie. It's not about you being the captain of your ship and destiny. It's about allowing the Lord to be your source. It's it's, it's about allowing the Lord to be your supply, okay? I I know the audience that I'm speaking to right now, okay? And a lot of you self-made, done well. Stop being a self-made man. Begin to allow Him to be the source of your supply. May the Lord make you increase. He could take you where you could never get to on your own. Jot that down. He could make you to abound much more and excel and increase in things that you would never accomplish on your own. I love that verse in Philippians chapter 4. It says in verse 19, And my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches which are in Christ Jesus. He's the source. He's the supply. Here's the deal. According to the psalmist in Psalm 100, the psalmist says, it is He who made... Let the Lord make you to abound. Let the Lord make you to increase. Let the Lord make you to abound. Listen, it is He who made us and not we ourselves. He's got to be the source of it. Secondly, the search. The search, church. It's all about the search. And you see, as much as you and I might agree, yes, he, he, you're right, he, He's the source. He's the one that makes it happen. Beginning to end, start to finish, front to the back. It's all about Him being the source of my supply. But secondly, are you searching out that source that He is faithful to supply? The search, I mean, as much as the source and the supply is yours in spades, church, as much as He wants to open the windows of heaven and pour down upon you increase and excelling abundance, the question becomes clear. Are you you searching for that? Am I truly making that a priority in my life? Do we even want to abound? Do we even want to excel? Do we even want this coming ministry year to be greater and stronger and healthier, more fruitful than any year prior? Are we really searching for this? I mean the true search and deep desire of your heart. A longing to know Him. And I think as Stephen has pointed out, the opportunities and privileges that we have with all of the programs to which this church provides, it is a season now to step in and and make that search of what He is faithful as the source to supply. Make that search your reason for living whether through men's ministry, small groups, women's, kids, Awana, youth, a longing as a family to know Him. And incidentally, not just knowing His Word, not just making this, please, please, don't make this some religious exercise where you check the box. Don't make like devotions sort of this, um, well, I just want to be able to say that I did it. Don't, don't make this some intellectual thing, okay? This is, a, this is a, a, a personal, when you open up your Bible, when you come to church, it's to, it's to know Him, not about Him. To know Him. In fact, let me point something out to you that Jesus says. Turn with me to John, John chapter 5 for a second. We'll be right back to 1 Thessalonians and, um, and, and wrap this thing up. But I, I want you to see something that Jesus actually points out. A couple of groups to which he's wanting to identify. Namely here in John chapter 5, he begins to show forth something that's quite interesting. I just want to make sure that you've seen this. He's talking about these groups that have come out and some of them have been all excited about what John the Baptist out in the wilderness has been preaching about and has been accomplishing. And some of them aren't real thrilled about it. They're not seeing the dots connect. They're wondering what this is all about. Is this like some new thing? What's going on here? And he says in verse 36, look what he says, John five thirty-six. But I have a greater witness than John's. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. And you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. But, but you, here's the problem. But you do not have his word abiding in you. Now these for the most part make up an audience that were students of the Scriptures. And Jesus is pointing out something very fascinating right here. I don't want you to miss. Lest we end up missing the entire point and making it some type of an intellectual pursuit or exercise. He says, you don't have His Word abiding in you. Why? Why? I want to know why. Because whom He sent, Him you do not believe. Okay, that clears a lot of things up for a lot of people in this room who have friends who might, might even to an invitation to a picnic respond by saying, well, I'm, I'm, I believe in God. I'm really to the point now where I would agree it's hard to find an atheist in a lab coat. I mean, there's so much evidence out there of there, of there being this intelligent designer behind all that has been created, okay? I, I'm into that, I believe in God, I'm just not ever gonna walk down the Jesus road. I'm just not into Jesus. Okay, listen to what Jesus says. The reason why the whole thing still seems to be cloaked in a veil of mystery and darkness and just out of reach and you open the book and you're like, I'm trying to understand it. The light just isn't going on. Why? Because you search the Scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of Me. In other words, Jesus is pointing out You need Me in order for the light to go on. How many know that to be the case? Yes? It's not just enough to just pull the book off the shelf and read a few pages and think that somehow, magically, your day is now going to be blessed. He's saying to them simply, "Um, guys, you don't have His Word abiding in you because whom He sent, you don't believe. That, that, that is the huge disconnect. And here's our word, you search, verse 39, you search the Scriptures, for in them you think that you have eternal life. But the Scriptures are not an end in themselves. The Scriptures are a means to an end for you to get to know, I mean intimately get to know in a life-changing way the author of the Scriptures. The power of the Scriptures. The point is knowing the One to whom is given all credit and glory that makes this book come alive inside of us. He's like this. You're searching the Scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. These are they which testify to Me, but you're not willing. Here it is, verse 40. You're not willing to come to Me that you may have life. Wow. See, He has to be your search. Nothing short Nothing short of Him. He and He alone has to be the the search because because, because He has to become now for us the longing, deep desire of our hearts. Not just saying, "I, I, I go to men's and study the Word. I go to men's, I go to women's, and I study the Word that I may know Him deeper and more intimately in my life. My search is for Jesus. Thirdly, that becomes your story. The source of Him being your supply is what allows the things that are lacking in us to be perfected, to abound, to excel, to increase all the more when He becomes the source, when He becomes the search, and when He becomes the star of your story. I, I mean your story to the extent that now it's not about you. It's, not about, it's, it's, it's about a display of Him in your life this week about a display of Him in your life this month, about a display of expressing what He has done in your heart, in your marriage, in your family, in your business, an expression of all that He has done. The results of who you are today have dramatically changed because as you have searched for Him, you have found Him and found Him now to be the source of your supply. And He becomes the star of your story if He is wanting for us to become those who increase and excel and abound at anything, guys, if He's wanting to call us to be successful at anything, He's calling us to be successful at that. Successful in allowing Him to be the one in our story that the spotlight shines the brightest upon. The people would see in your family that you are searching for something different than the world searches after. You're searching Jesus. Why are you going again? You just went last Sunday. You're going again. I am searching. I'm searching for Jesus Christ. Now, listen. That's huge. That's important. Here's why. Listen to the preacher. If your story isn't good, if there's still junk in the trunk, if the marriage is just sort of like wonky and not working, if there's still strife and difficulty between you and your kids, whether they're still young, in middle school, in the teenage years, maybe they're out of the house and you're trying to maintain a relation with them, if there's something still not great in your story, know this, God's not done. If it's not good, God's not done. That ought to be the newsboy's newest hit. Not just God's not dead. God's not done. He's wanting to see us excel and increase and abound in these things. And I meet with people all the time. I meet with people. I get emails from people around the country, around the world. I pray with people as much as my appointment schedule allows. And I meet with people, and I met with a guy this week, and he sees no good whatsoever in his life at all. It's all horrible. It's all down. It's all bad. ergo, conclusion, consequently, as a result of everything in my life, being there's no God, no, not there's no God, God's not done, God's not done, and if we don't grab a hold of that, based on what's happening in Texas, based on what's about to hit Florida, based on this, based on that, you will become one in despair if you forget the most important fact that God's not done. Dear friends, we will have more firefighters who die of suicide this year than die in the line of duty. We will have more police officers, even including those who lost their lives this last weekend, this last week, this last month, we will have more police officers kill themselves than will be killed in the line of duty. And one even this week in San Diego County took their own life nine already in the largest police force in our country in the New York Police Department nine already this year now we all have fires that we're fighting for our family in our business where our marriage is concerned we are fighting fires and fires are raging because the devil knows his time is short We are all battling against the darkness, whether you're in law enforcement or not. And I think a lot of the fires that we face, a lot of the darkness that we feel are because we are so being led and controlled by our feelings. And we are living in a society now, a a social media-driven society that is more concerned with how they feel. More concerned and more consumed by how they feel than what they know. So that if how they feel in the moment contradicts what they know, what they know is chucked and overridden by how they feel. And that's dangerous because this needs to be the bedrock foundation of your heart and of your life in allowing Him to be the source of your supply. If you're the source, you're going to run out and you're going to become desperate and you're going to be woe and you're going to be down and you're going to be, oh, it's me and you don't have anything left in the tank. But if He is your source, if He is your supply, if He is your daily search, if He is your story. So maybe for some of us in the room, it isn't if. It's when. When is it going to increase? When is it going to abound? When is it going to excel? When's it going to get better? If it's bad, if it's not good, then you're not done, then when? And maybe the when is seen in the how. The when is seen in the how. So how, again, practically, how does this abounding happen? Well, certainly we've seen through making Him the source of our supply and the search of our hearts and the story of our lives. But then how does that translate into our hearts? How does it translate into our lives? And I think a lot of us are just waiting to win the lottery. We're just thinking that someday we're going to wake up and wow, it's just kind of all come upon us. And that isn't all that healthy of an approach. Because, again, if it doesn't happen that way, you could lose heart. You could give up. How many people do you know that were like this? They're like, I tried church. I tried. God just didn't work for me. They were waiting for the lottery. They were waiting for it all just to show up in one huge dumbo drop all at once. And you've looked at the statistics, as certainly I have. There's enough on the line for you to just sort of do a quick little search that those who received it all at once... Like won that lottery, it, it regularly wasn't all that healthy of a thing. So, what would be more of the biblical approach to seeing this process take place? Well, there there are some things that happen and it's one and done. Like your sins were forgiven on the cross. And maybe some of you are like, well, wait a minute, Bob, when he was on the cross, he actually said from the cross, it is done. So what are you saying God's not that. Well, where your salvation is concerned, where the forgiveness that He has come and stepped out of heaven and into this world to provide, where that's concerned, it is done. One and done. But now we're talking sanctification. We're talking sanctification. We're talking this formation of the process of what it means to live out your salvation. And that happens, listen, that happens little by little. And if you're thinking that it happens all at once, you might be left waiting and wondering in the wings, where are you? But if you begin to realize that happens little by little in this process of the formation of developing now into the son of God that you are, the daughter of God that you are, this happens little by little. Isaiah puts it this way. Isaiah chapter 24, he says, line upon line, Precept upon precept, a little here and a little there. In fact, I love finding stories in Scripture that just kind of help hammer home the point that we're trying to make this morning, and I found one in Deuteronomy. Find the book of Deuteronomy with me real quick in chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7 is an amazing time in history where God begins to lay out for His people the promises that await. Promises that await for them to abound. Promises that await for them to excel. Promises that await for them to, 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 to increase. Okay, it's amazing. It's Deuteronomy chapter 7, and some of the promises that God's about to give to his people sound as if they're almost too good to be true. All right? So hold on to your seats. Watch what happens here. He says this. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, he says in verse. 14. Look at this, verse 14. And you shall be blessed above all peoples. And there shall not be a male or a female barren among you or among your livestock. This is God now having led them out of Egypt, no longer slaves, no longer under the cruel, dictatorship taskmaster life of living under the strong arm of Pharaoh they've been set free and they've crossed the Red Sea miraculously and 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 as much as you would think they would be celebrating their newfound freedom after after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of slavery it doesn't take them very long before they start groaning and and moaning and complaining, right? In fact, they even get to a point of wishing they could go back. Are you seriously kidding me? They do, they say, well, uh, we miss the garlic. That's exactly what they say. We miss the onions, we miss the leeks. We want to go back to Egypt. Isn't it amazing how we can rewrite history? And as much as they were beaten into submission as slaves, They're thinking now that it's not much better where they find themselves in this state of wandering in the wilderness. And it becomes a faith walk, man. It becomes a faith walk for 40 years for them through this progression to grow, listen, to grow into the favor and increase and abounding blessings that await for them in the promised land. They had to grow into it and they grew into it little by little. And if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then the promises that He is speaking into the life of His people in Deuteronomy 7 are promises that you can claim today. And so, we haven't crossed over into the glorious land that awaits, the promised land of heaven. And it seems to me as if this becomes our faith walk in preparing and forming in us a life and a character that is ready for all that awaits. Because some of you are like, wait a minute, what? He promised what? I didn't know he promised that. He's promising that there will not be a single male, there will not be a single female that is barren among you or among your livestock. That's not all. Look at verse 15. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness. Okay, I met with a number of people over the course of the summer that are dying in a pile. So like, where's that? Listen, if it's not good, God's not done. And He is promising to you now this, that He's going to take away from you all sickness and and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt which you have known, but will will lay them on all those who hate you. Wow, and if that's not enough, look at verse 16. You shall, you, you shall destroy all the people whom the Lord your God delivers over you. Your eyes shall have no pity on them, nor shall you serve their gods, for that would be a snare to you. And if you say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispose them? You shall not be afraid of them. You shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. The great trials which your eyes saw the signs and the wonders, the mighty hand, the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out, so shall the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. However big that giant seems to be that's in front of you, the giant that seems to be so big in front of you is never bigger than the God that's inside you. He's saying to them exactly what he says to us. I am with you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake I'm with you to the end of the age. You don't have to be afraid of whatever you're afraid of. Moreover, you're like, more? There's more? Look at verse 20. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them. Ouch. Stinger. The hornet among them until those who are left who hide themselves from you are destroyed. And you shall not be terrified of them, for the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, is among you. Hallelujah, church. If it isn't good, God's not done. But watch, please, watch how he goes about this. Look at the next verse, huge verse, verse 22. And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. How? Come on, how? Little by little. Underline that, church. Circle it. Star it. Sometimes what you're waiting to happen all at once is going to happen over a season of time and formation and development as He perfects what is lacking in your faith little by little, who will be unable to destroy them at once. See, you'll be unable. He's not like messing with you. He's not playing with you. He's not dangling a carrot in front of you. He's like saying, if I did it the other way, you wouldn't be able to handle it lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. But the Lord your God, verse 23, the Lord your God will deliver them over to you and you will inflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed. That word until is huge. It means process. That word until is huge. That means progress. That means not all at once. And when Paul, turn back to 1 Thessalonians, when Paul is like this, the perfecting of the work in us, the abounding, the excelling, the increasing in us, until when? He says the same thing. Until the coming of the Lord. See, you don't want to gain what you want. Some of you are like, I want it now, microwave faith. I want it in 30 seconds, man. You don't, please, you don't want to gain what you want and lose what you need. He is perfecting you in the process. He's refining you in the work of His formation. You're like, well, I just want it all now. You couldn't handle the heat. You're like, well, I just want the, 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 the gold in me and uh, refined and the junk burned off in 30 seconds. You're just like, poof! Little by little, precept upon precept, line upon line, Sunday upon Sunday, week upon week, month upon month, growing and increasing and abounding and excelling in what's been lacking so that God would become the source of your supply even more in September as you button up and pack away the summer. More in the fall than He's been in the season prior that He becomes the search of your heart this fall. The story and, 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 and focal point and, 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 and result and product and display and expression for, for all the community and world to see when they see you. They see a family that is searching for something different than the rest of Carmel Valley is searching for. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world? You want it all here? And forfeit his soul. So just know this. If some of those promises given to you there in Deuteronomy chapter 7 just just seem to be too good to be true, know that if it isn't that good yet, God simply is not done yet. Let Him be God. Let Him finish and complete and perfect in you the work that He has begun. And in the process, ask yourself this. What do you think He's left undone? There's a question for us, North County. Because I think we're the ones that determine the amount of our blessing. We're the ones that determine that. I'm telling you something this morning. The gates of heaven are open. The arms of Jesus are wide. The windows are open and want to pour out the blessing. We're the ones that determine the level of that. We determine the level and the limits. He has it all for you. He's handing it over to you. He wants you to enjoy all that He has accomplished on your behalf. He says to you literally, He says, here are the keys. I'm giving you the keys. I'm turning the keys of the kingdom over to you. Are you kidding me? My good buddy Dennis Agajanian and his wife Victoria, they borrowed our trailer. They're going on a little vacation up to Yosemite. He said, can I borrow the trailer? I said, of course, here are the keys. And my wife was like, oh Lord, bring the trailer back in one piece. God's not handing you some 15-year-old Airstream trailer. He's handing you heaven. He's handing you heaven. Do we want it? We are the ones that put the level and limits on the intimacy and blessings to which now He has afforded to us by the death of His own Son. He's not locking you out. He's not playing games with you. He's saying, come and, 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 and receive. You see, it's the heart of unbelief that locks us out. It's the heart of unbelief that limits us. That He might want to do that for others, but you're still not over yourself to the point of thinking He wants to do it for you. So how deep is your hunger for more? Because I think a lot of us come in here and we're like, yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. No, really. How how are you? No, I'm good. See, I think a lot of us, honestly, are in bondage to our normalism. We just... Have we've convinced ourselves we just have to appear like we're good, like we're fine, like we're OK. You're a wreck. No, 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 I'm not. I'm fine. I'm good, I'm good, really. Yeah, yeah, same, same. Same, same. Same same is a chain chain. Same, same. I don't think we're supposed to be normal. I don't think that we were ever meant to peak. I think we're to stand out. And we're to stand out for the right reasons. I think too many of us are standing out because we're not willing to go in the deep end. We're just fine in the kiddie pool. We're not, we're not leaning in. There's this amazing verse in Song of Solomon. In Song of Solomon, it's in uh, there it is. It's chapter 8, verse 5. At the very end of Song of Solomon, he says this. He says, Who is this coming up from the wilderness? Now, just picture that in the context of what we've seen in Deuteronomy. They've been set free. They're out of bondage. They're out of slavery. They've left Egypt behind. They're in the wilderness, but they're in the wilderness through this process of growth and formation for 40 years. And the whole point of that is who is your source? Israel who is your supply who are you going to be searching for like searching for the first moment you wake up in the morning so that he truly becomes the story of your life and now coming out of those four decades of formation is this beautiful picture who is coming up from the wilderness leaning upon his beloved You don't get into heaven because you earned your stars and stripes and were good enough to be granted entry. You get into heaven leaning on the everlasting arms of a nail-scarred Savior. Who is this? You need to be that picture Because the excelling and the increasing and the abounding is only going to happen when you lean. Do you remember the Last Supper? There at the Last Supper is this picture of Jesus. i got this great picture of the Last Supper here. There's so much going on in this picture. You can see the angels above. Spiritually, there was so much that was going on. And and, and Jesus is serving them, and he's coming around to each and every one of them, and he's laying out some things in terms of how the rest of the weekend is going to go. And he's washing their feet and he comes to peter and he's like i'm gonna wash your feet peter and he's like no way you're not washing my feet and jesus says if you don't let me wash your feet you're not getting in you don't get in of your own accord you don't get in because you're a self-made man you only get in because of me you only get in because of what i've come to provide and jesus is like this jesus is like okay then just wash all of me and he's like your feet are sufficient You got that going on. You got a a guy that just flatly gets up and leaves as Jesus begins to declare that one of you is going to betray me. He's going to turn me over. And they're all like, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Twelve times, is it me? And he goes, it's the one that's going to dip the bread in the cup, in the sop with me. And bam, Judas is the one. And Jesus leans over to him and says, what you're about to do, you go and you do it quickly, man. In the midst of all that, around that table, you have one who begins to simply lean back on the chest of Jesus, and it's John the Beloved. Who is this beloved who comes up out of the wilderness leaning See, it's John that is showing to us the picture of what true commitment looks like. And incidentally, he's the only one that is found at the cross. The rest of them bail. One goes out and hangs himself. One goes out and denies that he's even met Jesus. Hey, Peter, I think I've seen you with him. Nope, not me. No, 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 I've seen you. Nope, not me. Third time, even swears were told in Scripture. You blankety-blankety-blank, I've never met Him. Cock-a-doodle-doo. So you have some that are denying they ever even met Him. You have some that are betraying Him over to the authorities for 30 pieces of silver. And you have one that is leaning in, showing the picture of what true commitment looks like. You know what it means to be committed? How committed are you? Because. To be committed is to be submitted. And John's the only one that goes all the way with Jesus. He's the only one found there at the foot of the cross. And Jesus from the cross looks down and says, John, here's your mother. Take care of her for me. And hands the authority and responsibility of Mary over to John and says to his mother, Mother, this is your son. John's the only one that goes through. Why? Because John shows what commitment really looks like. To be committed is to be submitted. And you can't be committed unless you're submitted. You can't. Because it's that picture of just leaning on the Lord and trusting in what He's done so that through Him, He becomes the source of your supply the search of your heart and the star of your story. He, by you leaning upon Him, brings the increase and the excelling and the abounding into your life. Listen, I think more than any earthly accomplishment. More than any earthly accumulation. And again, I I know the audience, that I have been asked to speak in front of, but there isn't any earthly accumulation or earthly accomplishment that is going to bring the increase and the excelling and the abounding into your life that is found when you simply will surrender and submit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Leaning is abounding. Leaning on Him. Leaning on the Lord is abounding. Resting on the Lord is abounding. Trusting on the Lord is abounding. Rest in Him, church. I think this is so hard for guys. Gals, I think it's probably easier for you. I don't know, I'm not one of you, but I just find, I don't think it's easier for you, I just think you're better at it. But for us guys, it's hard to lean It's hard to yield. It's hard to rest our weight. We want to be the self-made guys. You're not getting in without a commitment that sees itself as submitting to what he and he alone is here to fulfill and accomplish and perfect and complete in your life. And the thing that so often short-circuits that, what is it? Well, you'll have to come back next week for that. (laughs) But I can tell you, the thing that restores and redeems what's been short-circuited, it's waiting for you right here. That through this and all that this table represents is found for you the fulfillment of His promise to exceedingly abundantly do more than you could ask or hope or dream or imagine to the glory of God in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Let's all stand. Shall we stand and shall we pray? Lord we just um, ask now your blessing on communion that it would seal the deal for us in allowing you to be our source and our supply. May we search after You wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly, not a spoke on the wheel, not a slice of the pie. May we search for You with our whole hearts. May You now, as we stand in Your presence, be allowed to shine as the star of our story. The reason and the meaning and the purpose why we exist is to honor and glorify you. And now we see from Scripture the best way that we can do that is by leaning and trusting and resting in what you have accomplished for us. So this we pray together now as a congregation. That you would move in a mighty and life-changing way. And if there are stories, Lord, that stand before you this morning that aren't all that good, marriages that aren't all that good, and families that aren't all that good, and and, and, and situations in life, may we simply now rest confidently in the promise that if it's not good, God's not. Do your work, Lord. Do your thing in each and every heart as we celebrate now your love towards us in redeeming and restoring all of our short circuits and shortcomings. Heal and mend and complete and perfect what you have begun for your glory in our lives. In faith we ask it in Jesus' name worship him together as you're seated.
0: Thanks for joining the Horizon Church Podcast with Pastor Bob. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel. And if this message has blessed to you, please share it either directly or on social media. If you live in the San Diego area, we'd love to have you join us at a weekend service or to catch our live stream, visit horizon.org slash live every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next time.